1: This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. In a new memoir, writer, educator, and one-time poet laureate of Kentucky, Crystal Wilkinson, celebrates the contributions of Black Appalachian women and her family through food, weaving their stories together with recipes and family photos. It's called Praise Song for the Kitchen Ghosts, Stories and Recipes from Five Generations of Black Country Cooks. She writes in the book, Quote, the concept of the kitchen ghosts came to me years ago when I realized that my ancestors are always with me and that the women are most present while I'm chopping or stirring or standing at the stove. The art of cooking and engaging with my kitchen ghosts made me realize that food is never just about the present. Every dish, every slice, every crumb and kernel tethers us to the past. Using elements of poetry, prose, and fiction to reflect on her childhood and upbringing and pastimes, Wilkinson writes about the culinary traditions that span two centuries. And then there are the recipes, some as simple as two ingredients, some taking their names from the region, like Indian Creek Skillet Cornbread, and a whole chapter about blackberries, biscuits with blackberry soup, blackberry cobbler, and wildberry lemonade. Praise Song for the Kitchen Ghosts is out now. Crystal Wilkinson currently teaches at the University of Kentucky in the Creative Writing MFA program. Welcome to our studio.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So you write in your introduction, people are always surprised that black people reside in the hills of Appalachia. How did black folks come to Appalachia?
0: Well, I think black people came to Appalachia in the ways that they did other places um, through enslavement. Um, primarily, people don't often think about enslavement in the mountains uh, and it was different than mm-hmm. like the large plantations in the south. but. Uh, Black people were definitely there working more closely Mm -hmm. with their enslavers on farms, in kitchens, in small businesses. What's
1: something unique about the food and the food culture of Black Appalachia?
0: I think people are always comparing it to the South, and I love Southern cuisine, but I think the difference um, has to do with the landscape, Mm -hmm. right? So if you can't grow food in the winter, then you have to do a lot of preservation. So the preservation of pigs, for instance, like mm-hmm. instead of having a big barbecue, it was all about preservation. So salting the pork and putting it away for the winter, doing hams, putting them away for the winter. Um, with the train, we were more apt to grow kale and turnips instead of the, the southern collards. Um, so, there's, I think the terrain and the soil um, and the difference in the work made a, a big difference. So, the, the, the crux was then on preservation.
1: And when you talk about soul food in the mountains, is this what you mean? What is Black Appalachian soul food as compared to, let's say, Georgia or North Carolina?
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that those, some of those sort of um, foods that are preserved for, for their struggle like for the winter struggle. Like I'm always talking about the potatoes. Like when I was a little girl, <laughs> my grandparents would get the potatoes and I'd have to put them in the attic so that we would have potatoes mm-hmm. all winter. Like they would be up there and I would sent be sent with my little bucket to get the potatoes. And so, you know, come March, they'd get more and more, they'd never rotted, but they'd get more and more swiveled, mm-hmm. uh, shriveled, uh, shriveled down. And so... Uh, that kind of like worry, Mm. cooking and worrying, like are we going to have enough to go through the winter?
1: So about survival. Yes. Preservation in many ways. (laughs) Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) Many meanings of the word preservation. Part of uh, what you write about in the book, which is really interesting, is you, you write about traditions, not just the food itself, not just your family story, but also things like Sunday dinners and dinners on the grounds, which can be traced back to enslaved people getting their rations on Mm -hmm. on Saturday nights. Why do you think it's important to know the history behind these traditions, these food traditions?
0: Well, I think it's important because it's still with us, like even if we don't know, Mm -hmm. um, I think black Appalachian culture has it and I think every culture has it like these kitchen ghosts like the way you do things and the foods you eat are are like your ancestors did mm-hmm. uh, and and they were passed down whether you know that or not and you know I talk about that the way like my grandmother cooked is even in my body like I, mm-hmm. I see her you know sometimes you know I'm like okay uh, there it is. I'm almost. I've almost got it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's my grandmother sort of enter the picture. Like, oh, that's exactly how she would do it.
1: What are some of your earliest memories of being in the kitchen?
0: I think my absolute earliest is standing on a chair, watching her cook. Like being so close. Probably in modern times, it would you know someone would call CPS. I was so close, <laughs> but <laughs> but standing in the chair watching her cook trying to peep over to see not only what was in the pot but how she was preparing it how she was seasoning it and then the wonderful smells being that that close up all these facials <laughs> from the <this> theme.
1: <laughs> My guest is Crystal Wilkinson. The name of the book is Praise Song for the Kitchen Ghosts Stories and Recipes from Five Generations of Black Country Cooks. You introduce us to many of your family members. Uh, you reference one whose name is Aggie. Tell us a little bit about more about Aggie, how you were able to find out about Aggie, what you want us to know about Aggie.
0: So Aggie um, is the relative that that sort of tethered me to History the most. She was born in 1795 in Virginia. She was brought to Kentucky as Kentucky was being formed in the early 1800s as an enslaved child. Um, She married, sort of common law married, her owner, who was my fourth great grandfather, Tarleton. Um, And they begat. Us Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I found her, um, sort of the legacy of all of that became, you know, as a professor, as someone who knows the history of the country, being able to see it through my ancestry, to see on a document her being called Mm -hmm. Aggie of Color, and the weight of knowing what that meant, and not only for my personal ancestors, Mm -hmm. but for all of us, Anybody who's African American um, and particularly women, you mm-hmm. know this legacy of, of Black women and these all of these unnamed Black women who were Aggies too. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so the legacy of all of that, the weight of all of that, just really hit me when I found her, um, and it was very emotional. And she's sort of haunted me uh, into writing about her, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. not in a ooh, you know, ghost <laughs> way, but in a very um, poignant way of it's your duty is to, tell, to tell my story. Mm-hmm. To document, yeah. to
1: make sure that people know yes. I was here and I, I meant something mm-hmm. and I, I left a legacy. Did your folks, did your people talk about history? Some families don't like to talk about it. Or let's say that's like when you're a little kid, that's grown folks conversations when you start asking too many questions, especially when there might not be happiest memories.
0: Yeah, my my grandmother wouldn't even say the S word like she would not say um, slavery. And she said, oh, nobody wants to talk about that. So she did not um, talk about that. Um, I discovered that, you know, Aggie. I mean, um, yeah, Aggie's daughter is, was Patsy Rife, who's on the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. And I discovered this photograph, this beautiful photograph of an elegant uh, black woman. And I just remember I kept touching it. And she had always been sort of in the history of my county in all the historical mm-hmm. records, this beautiful black woman who was Patsy Rife. But I never knew who she was. But there was a ridge named after her. So there's a Patsy Rife Ridge. There in Indian Creek, Kentucky, and my grandmother would say, "Oh, she's a colored woman, and she's somewhere kin to us." But in the history books, it would say that she was uh, a, a, a beautiful black businesswoman, colored businesswoman, mm-hmm. and that her father was a white wealthy businessman, and that her mother was a slave. And I'd seen. That, Mm. not realizing she's somewhere kin to us, not knowing what that meant, Mm. but also not realizing that her mother was Aggie. And so that was another really emotional moment when I made that connection that everywhere she's listed slave woman, her name was Aggie.
1: How did women in your family pass down the recipes? Was it oral tradition? Did they write on note cards and had a little card box. How did it happen?
0: It's absolutely oral tradition. You know, I I say that that recipes are like poems. Um, they're meant to be both oral, mm-hmm. spoken, and oral, like listened to. And so uh, the cadence in the voice, especially where I'm from, you can hear my accent, but the, <laughs> but the cadence in the voice, the way that my grandmother would tell them, like, you know, um, well, first you're going to need this bowl, and then you get that bowl out, and then what you're fixing to do is this. <laughs> uh, and you'll need just a dabble of that. Not too much now. Don't put in too much salt. Um, and so the cadence of her voice and the way she told me the recipes uh, were oral first. Mm-hmm. And then when I was a, a young girl going into home ec class for the first time and had a recipe box, I asked her for recipes and she really wouldn't give them to me. But I said, well, you just tell me what they are and I'll write them down. And so many of the recipes in this book came from that writing down that I still have in that little recipe box that I've had since I was 12 or 13 years old. And do the cards have stains on them and from all the, they the work? They do. <laughs> There's rust on the box. There's stains on the cards. Um, Yes, there's a lot of history even in that in the mm-hmm. box. And then there are some recipes um, that she wrote out by hand that are on my notebook paper that she wrote out uh, with her beautiful uh, handwriting. That And I have those too. We're discussing praise song for the
1: Kitchen Ghosts stories and recipes from five generations of black country cooks. It is out now. My guest is its author, poet, and educator, Crystal Wilkinson. I want to ask about a couple of recipes while we have some time. Indian Creek Chili, which is on our website
0: for people if they want to take a a look at it. What makes this dish unique? Well, I think where I'm from, what always makes it unique, and maybe it's because we're close to Cincinnati where that sort of— some of the, the putting pasta with chili sort of started, but there's always pasta. Like there's no such thing as just meat chili with beans. It always has to go over spaghetti. So I think that that makes a big difference. We were also people uh, not prone to really hot flavors. So it's a very mild uh, tomato-based chili. Um, and I think both of those things makes makes it unique. Blackberries seem very important. (laughs) Why are blackberries so important? Um, I think blackberries were sort of like these these little purple glistening heirlooms. Um, One, they were hard won. Like you had to (laughs) do a lot to. You didn't go to the grocery store, so you had to put on um, boots and long sleeves and be doused in kerosene. which sounds crazy, but to be <laughs> doused in kerosene to keep the bugs off of you. Uh, and so it would be July. Here you are with boots and a sweater going out to pick the blackberries. Then when you reached into the brambles, you're going to get pricked. Um, so to get the fruit was hard one. And I think that it was the sweetness sort of in our life um, that mm. was what that was unique. We would have blackberries. Then... Probably ate a few bugs while we were picking them, <laughs> and then we'd go home and they'd get canned and they'd get washed, and then uh, we would be able to, to have that taste of summer in the winter. Hard, hard one too. Hard one. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> you have a recipe for biscuits with blackberry soup, the praise song biscuits, which you've been baking all your life.
0: How would you describe what a praise song biscuit tastes like? Mm. It tastes like heaven. There's like been all of these uh, controversies about uh, why Northerners, no offense, can't make biscuits. <laughs> it's, it's not offensive if it's true. <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with the ingredients. So I think having that soft flour mm-hmm. that comes from from my area and being able to make those biscuits and getting the need right, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: not to knead it too don't not, don't to overknead it so that you have a nice soft fluffy biscuit and not a brick not a brick <laughs> in your in your research what was a family story that surprised you that you hadn't really heard before hmm um i think one of the stories that surprised me was when i found my grandmother was 14 when she got married mm-hmm. and she got married on christmas eve and so, and I knew that, um, but but the story came in me trying to, I found a, an article where she'd been interviewed, and she didn't say, they said, what's your favorite Christmas present? She didn't say, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, she talked about a little doll that her mother had made for her, and she talked about her mother's apple cake uh, and how legendary it was and how she hadn't been able to to create it. But th- that also led to me to think about, you know, her toil. Like she was mm-hmm. 14. Uh, and of course, she was my grandmother and I always knew she was 14. But for her to think about that doll made me think she was also thinking about her her girlhood that was she- being lost by getting married at 14. The name
1: of the book is Praise Song for the Kitchen Ghosts, Stories and Recipes from Five Generations of Black Country Cooks. It is out now. Its author is Crystal Wilkinson. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your recipes and your family
0: stories. Thank you for having me. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.